Today's date is December 16th, 2019. This is Paul, or else sometimes known as Brother Kapow, sometimes known as Meathead. Whatever name you prefer, doesn't matter much. Anyway, last week I gave a plea to everybody, to all the listeners, a plea to please pray for myself and my wife, Linda. As we are, we're in our under extreme demonic attack. And I will tell you what, this body of Christ, the people who listen to this show have rallied incredibly in our behalf. I've received so many, many uh, messages, emails, uh, text messages, Facebook messages. Um, it's incredible. Uh, incredible to support we have a lot of people i had i'd asked if anybody had any ideas of what may have happened or you know if they have any insight a lot of people have given similar stories um of trials and testings that they went through and how the lord brought them out and um everybody's been so encouraging uh, very encouraging um, I want to give a, a special, a really a special thanks to Max and Jennifer Schaefer who have unceasingly, unceasingly prayed and communicated with, with me and Linda about what they're hearing from God. Um, I mean, all the time without hesitation and finding articles or videos or anything that might help in sending it our way. And they have been a real, real blessing. In fact, they've become one of my um, go-to people. In fact, they're kind of like my, you know, my people that I go to and run things by or have the confidence to, to tell them what's happening uh, as they can then seek the Lord and decipher things and, um, you know, use this, the, the gifts of the spirit, you know, the word of knowledge or the, the um, prophetic word to then give me, you know, some, some guidance, some hope, um, some blessing. So I really appreciate that. And so many of you, you know, I, I couldn't name everybody. I mean, people, you know, people I never hear of that uh, taking the time to, to write and um, just support us in all this. So anyway, I'll give you an update, and then we're going to talk about uh, one of the things I learned in all these things. I've, I've learned quite a bit in spiritual warfare, which is really just walking out your faith. But the update is that it does look better. Your prayers have um, come through quite a bit. Not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination, but more and more is being revealed and more and more is being uncovered. And the things that do hinder the deliverance are being revealed. Uh, one of the things is um, Linda's um, this desire to reach out to to other people for for the answers 
rather than directly to God because of this this demonic influence, this demon that's lying to her about her salvation has caused her to think that she doesn't have a relationship with God. And so because she does, ha- does not have that relationship, she can't reach out to him. So she reaches out to other people. Now, sometimes this isn't bad. We do have a a small group of people physically around us that God has sent to, to us. She actually has a, uh, a, a an associate pastor of one of these, uh, the church, the church we go to and this associate pastor, she, uh, has taken Linda, uh, on as, as a discipleship type of project and meets with her uh, on a weekly basis. Of course, we, we do see her throughout the week too, when we go to church and things. And this woman is, um, one of the, one of the, uh, women, you know, I, I trust because I know she walks the walk and she, she wakes up in the morning and she says, I live for God. I'm walking, uh, I'm walking out my faith to the best of my ability. And these are the kind of people, uh, that have been sent our way. Um, several other ladies have been sent Linda's way to, to help and minister with her. And it, these people are fine when she communicates with the ones God sent. They're, they're what I call like my SWAT team. Uh, because they're the ones who are trained up and they're ready to fight this and they understand the battle and they, um, they, they have enough knowledge about what's going on to pray, pray correctly and to um, assist. Uh, but there are those that she reaches out to that are not living uh, quite the way they should be living. I, or I'm not around. I really don't know their fruit. I really don't know who they are. And these folks sometimes, oftentimes, because they're not part of the God given help, these folks give an alternate view or an alternate opinion about something and they lead into another direction. Now, this could either be someone she's contacting uh, and even ministries that she has contacted that that the Lord didn't send our way, didn't send us to them or them to us, uh, or a book or articles or something that she's drawn to that gives her an opposite viewpoint of what the Bible says. And recently, one of the things that have happened is uh, some of some family members have literally, as they've talked to her, drudged up the past and have blamed her problems that she's having now on an incident that happened 13 years ago with me where the book Demons in My Marriage Bed was brought forth. And if you don't have that book uh, or not aware of it, it's a book. It's our flagship book, Demons in Our Marriage Bed, A True Story, Spiritual Warfare, about what we went through in 2006 when I was very demonized and under witchcraft uh, after having an affair. And God healed our marriage. The miracle about this book and about our story, it's not about demons and witches and affairs and what what happened in the spooky realm of ghosts and goblins. It's a book about God's mercy. The book is all about his blessing. The book is about him 
delivering us as a couple, as a married couple, and bringing us from the darkest pit of demonic torment into the glorious light of his son, Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. And back in 2006, Linda was told that her marriage would never be the same. She, her, even her mother ha, had told her at one point, you know, you can your marriage is like a plate and it could break and you could glue it back together and you could cement it back together and fix it. Uh, but it'll always have that crack. It'll always have that weakness in it. And many people told her that. Matter of fact, people had advised her to, to leave me or kick me out of the house. Um, family members did. Uh, and even told her biblically that she didn't have to stay married uh, to someone like me. And thank God she stuck with me. Thank God she didn't listen. Thank God she said, well, he's more than a husband. He's a brother in Christ. And when she had prayed to God about her marriage and about a crack in that marriage as a crack in a plate and the glue that held it together, God told her, no, no, no. I'm not gluing your marriage together. I'm not repairing your plate. I'm giving you a new plate. Amen. I'm giving you a new plate. I'm giving you a new marriage. There is no crack. There is no weakness. It's new and it's new in me. And that happened. And our marriage became new. There was no crack. There was no animosity. There was no past to dredge up. We had been forgiven by our God and we had been forgiven by each other and we moved forward in God. And it was a demarcation point in both our lives where our dedication to the almighty God went from ho-hum to high gear. And it stayed that it stayed like that. And so she's reaching out you know, recently she had reached out to certain family members and stuff who drudging up uh, these past. Uh, I even had one of her nieces berate me on the phone, uh, ambushing me, call, calling me. And I, I called her back because uh, it's a family member from Linda. And I hadn't talked to this demonized little girl in about seven years is the last time I even spoke to her, saw her. She's, she's off. Uh, she rejected the Lord Jesus Christ years ago and decided to live a lifestyle of drugs and lesbianism and um, abandoning children and whatever else she needed to do for her own selfish gain. Um, and this thing called me um, pretending that she was concerned about her auntie. And when I called her back, she began to berate me and accuse me and say that Linda's problems stem back from uh, my infidelity of 2006. So what happens, what happened with that is that it attacks the work of Christ. It attacks the mercy of God on both me and Linda and our marriage and drudges up something that we've been forgiven for and um, have come out of. And it's just like Satan to bring these things back up, you know, condemnation and things like that. And I just tell you the story to tell, you know, one of the ways that Satan works and he comes out of the woodwork when you're down, uh, the kicking begins, you know, the stomping uh, is, is ceaseless. 
And if he can get to you one way, he's going to do it. If he can, he's going to try other ways. Uh, most of the time today, he's he's trying or he does get to me through Linda herself when uh, she yields to the wrong spirit or the wrong spirit of lies in this thing. Uh, but when she's able to kind of overcome it, it'll come from another source. And so we were able to to see how some of these these things I was able to discover because there were people like the Shafers that were praying that um, her not only her eyes would be open, her blinders would drop, but also mine. You know, that because I'm so close to the situation, maybe I can't see the forest for the trees or I'm not seeing everything perfectly because I'm so emotionally involved because it's a wife that I love, a woman that I love. And um, I just recently I discovered, the Lord showed me, discovered some of the communication in which she was doing. And that communication was very negative where there was a lot of word curses spoken upon herself where she would talk about what this thing was doing to her constantly in relation to her loss of salvation and going to hell and things. And I understand that she's, she's under the influence of this demonic entity when, when she's writing and speaking these things. But nonetheless, these are these word curses that are now written in text messages or emails. And they sit there and they curse her because she cursed herself with them. And also has sent them to others. And so when we seek deliverance and we seek for God to remove this thing from her, all Satan has to do is go up to the courts of heaven and say, well, you, you have no right to remove us. We have a legal right to be there. And God says, well, how is that? Do you have a legal right? What kind of legal right? And he goes, well, look at right here. She's cursing herself. By glorifying our works above your works, God, pay more attention to what we're doing as demons than as little Satans than what you've done and what are doing. And so uh, by her talking, you know, the kind of negative talk and death talk and things like that, even about her health to others, much less documenting it creating a whole case in heaven against herself. Well, this is one of the things we've come across. So, you know, fortunately, praise God that as I discover things like that and bring it up to her, she's, she can see it and then realize it. So she doesn't have a problem breaking that and breaking the ties and getting rid of, of these, of these things. And some of these things are even more innocent, but she's asking help for a lot of different people that aren't part of the SWAT team. They're not part of the SWAT. It'd, it'd be like being on the police department and you've trained and you have uh, a, a SWAT team and you're, you're prepared for a certain a day and a certain battle, you know, certain, um, uh, you know, barricaded suspect or search warrant entry or something. And then all of a sudden here comes the captain of the records division and the captain of the records division <clears throat> was contacted by one of your SWAT team members and he comes and he starts trying to tell the SWAT team how to enter a building. Um, he, he might be good at what he does because he's the captain of the records division and maybe he knows how to keep records, you know, and do crime analysis, but he doesn't know squat about 
real life combat and fighting uh, the enemy in a SWAT team situation. So asking outside people that aren't prepared for this type of battle is doing the same thing. And all it does is, is hinder and confuse. So it's one of the things that we, we had to see and stop also. So that's kind of an update. So keep praying. Uh, we're still dealing with this. We we've, we've come close to a complete deliverance uh, several times, but like I said, then the Lord has to show us the blockages. So as we, we unblock these things and they're all related, it's all related to a mistrust or a little faith or lack of faith totally. Uh, but mostly a mistrust of, of really what God, God will do. Not that he can't do it, but will he do it? Uh, almost a, a um, he'll do it for everybody else, but not for me type of thing. <clears throat> and this is what we're kind of battling here. So it's something that's a heart condition that kind of goes deep, uh, kind of a deep rooted rejection, maybe. Um, it's a, it's a, a a worthy image type of thing. And I think that's why some of the family members latch on to uh, blame me or go, go back to 13 years ago. And, um, and of course, you know, they, they have all kinds of imaginations too, that you know, I'm sending her off to the doctors by herself. I'm not supporting her and everything. And, you know, of course it's not the case. I'm the only one that's been with her for six months, day and night. Um, you know, like last night at two in the morning when I'm heating up a hot water bottle for her uh, aching stomach, you know, no one, I don't see those family members around at two in the morning when I'm doing that, um, you know, or uh, praying over her at uh, three in the morning or, or last night I was up all night with her because she was in pain. And, and then of course I couldn't, she wouldn't let me sleep either, but no one, no one's around on that. You know, but they but they all have a big mouth. They all have a big opinion. Um, so that's this is how the devil works. Anyway, I I appreciate everybody praying. Keep praying. Pray for her. Pray for me. Uh, you know this uh, the radio show, and uh, I know God wants some some things to do. You know, with this thing. Also, I was I was approached, and this. You know, it's not something I seek. You know, I started going to this church and, you know, you just, I kind of want to be low key and not do a whole lot of things. But, um, you know, word got out about my music. And of course I play in a, in a band that's a local band and they're, they're well known locally. And so he's a musician, he knows, you know, he knows audio, he knows things like that. But anyway, the, this pastor wants to start a podcast really bad. And um, so he had mentioned that in one of his the sermons, you know, how he wanted to do podcasting. He didn't know how to do it and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So after service, I went to him and I says, hey, that's what I do. I go, it's no big deal. We can make it as easy as you want or as complicated as you want. Um, I already have it all set up. I have all the network set up. If you want to do a podcast, let me know what you want to do and we can do it. And he's like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, that's, you know, Lord wanted me to do it. And so then he went away and I never heard from him again. And that's fine. You know, I, I don't care. I just, I just put it out there. Uh, well, today he comes, he comes running to me. Um, and he says, hey, he goes, I got to talk to you. I got to, I got to, you know, we got to spend some time. I got to, you know, run things by you and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, it's about that podcast. He goes, God has really put it on my heart that that's what I need to do. God is really impressed on me. I got to, you know, do this. 
So I looked at him. I said, Pastor, I go, let me guess. God said something like this. Hey, Dennis, what are you doing? I sent you a guy a couple of weeks ago that can help you, and you haven't even called him. What is wrong with you? <laughs> he says, he goes, that's exactly what happened. I, I know, that's because that's what happens. You know, a guy comes, and you don't even, you know, you won't even utilize the help he sends. So, um He's gonna. We're gonna. He's. We're gonna start this. This thing. Um. And he's. He's a. He's a really, really prolific writer. I mean, he writes like every day. He's got a couple of books, but he just writes like crazy. Um. His devotions and and God chats and God tweets and all the time. And he he writes for the local paper and, um. You know, once a week messages and he does have an international you know, other pastors in Africa and stuff like that. Look at his writings and his notes and his sermons. And, you know, they're walking three miles, you know, in the mud to get to the library to, to read this guy's stuff. So he's, he's not an idiot. He has uh, a master's in theology and a master's in divinity. And he's been around a long time. He's been a pastor. He pastored a very big church in Las Vegas, Nevada for a lot of years also. So anyway, it's kind of exciting. And, um, it's something I, I would I would love to do. And so, you know, be praying about that too. You know, what we could do is we're not going to do it under Kapow. We're going to do it under, you know, whatever title he wants to do it. But I'll be the one producing it and, um, you know, putting it out there. And we'll see what the, what the Lord does with that. And, you know, of course, you know, if Satan could hinder Linda and I from working together with that, that would, um, you know, that would serve his purposes. There's a lot... There's a lot to do, a lot going on. In fact, um, Linda's been approached to do some things, to, to sing in the choir and do some 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 other things with the women. And um, she needs to be un, unhindered to be able to do these things and help others. As a matter of fact, we, we ran into another lady just uh, recently that had a very similar problem. And uh, we've only found out it's because they were sitting behind us as, as I was having a conversation with somebody else about what's going on. And she heard it and uh, almost a very similar problem that she's having with the same lie. So these are people, when this comes to your attention, you have to help them because you're going through it. So you have to help them. So that's the whole idea. We get, it's like demons in a marriage bed. When you get out of it, you've got to go back and help somebody. You, you're the one who's been there. And so now you have the experience and here's what you went through and you have to let people, they're not all, you know, they're not all alone because right now you feel like you're all alone. Hey man. So anyway, that's, that's 23 minutes of update. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield. So, hey, let me let me go with this. One of the things I learned here 
one of the things I learned here, this is interesting. If you go with me to Ephesians uh, chapter six, verse 10, everybody's familiar with the whole armor of God. And I'm going to read that for you, the whole armor of God. And then we're going to go see what Jesus said about strong men. And I'm going to show you what, what I learned that's a little different than maybe what, how we've seen it before, but how it really applies to spiritual warfare and keeping Satan at bay in your life. And it, and it really, it really applies a lot. You just have to ask yourself a few questions. The whole armor of God, Paul says in verse 10, be a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. All right, so it's a spiritual battle. Therefore, put on every piece, every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, in the time of evil, the evil time, like what I'm going through and what you've been through and God help you when you go through it the evil time, then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm if you have all this armor on, right? That's what Paul's saying. If you put on every piece of armor, you're going to be able to resist that evil time. And afterwards, you'll still be standing firm, right? You'll stand your ground, put it on the belt of truth, okay? The body armor of God's righteousness, okay? It's a breastplate of righteousness for your shoes, Put on the peace that comes from the good news, okay? You're, you're the preparation to, to that you're fully prepared to preach the gospel, right? In addition to all of these, you hold up a shield of faith. It's important that faith stops the fiery darts, those arrows of Satan that come at you. You can't stop him from flinging arrows at you. This is the quench. This is to put out the fire before they, and, and so they don't hit you and strike you, but you're still getting pelted by these things. And you put on salvation as your helmet, and you take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, when you put on the salvation as your helmet, you wouldn't think like, what does that have to do anything? But look at what's happening to my wife where the enemy has come in and has, it has made her question her salvation constantly and her, uh, her relationship with God and made her feel separated from God because of the pure evil that surrounds her. And so she feels like I can't be a Christian or I can't, um, I can't have a relationship with God. I had to have done something wrong. This has to be a curse. I have to have a mark on me or else I wouldn't be this way. And so the enemy has, 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 has penetrated that helmet of salvation and got to her mind. See, knowing, knowing that you're saved, no, and, and being assured of your salvation and who you are in Christ is essential to protect your mind. Yeah. And then Paul says, take on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's your only de offensive weapon and pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. So it's a spiritual battle. So you have to pray in the spirit. Those who are spirit filled and you speak in a heavenly language, let that come out and, and pray in the spirit to God because it's your spirit communicating directly with God's spirit. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit for power and for witness, as according to Acts 2, you know, pray for, pray for that kind of baptism of the Spirit so you can pray in your heavenly language. But even if you're not baptized, as according to Acts 2, you have the Spirit of Christ in you when you became a believer. 
So when when you Christ came to you, the believer, you know, the word says, you know, the spirit makes intercession for you. It prays for you with groanings and utterings that can't even be be uttered, you know. So let your spirit be be heavy. Let your spirit then commune with God. It's just that if you're baptized and you speak in, in a in a heavenly language, it's it's for me it's a lot easier to draw up and then begin to 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 speak in tongues and allow your spirit just let your mind go free and allow your spirit to talk to to God. I don't believe you need that. You can have the spirit in you come up. Um, whatever way you need to do that to get your mind out of the way and let the spirit commune. It's to stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So pray for everybody. All right. So there's, there's the, uh, the whole armor of God that we should put on very, 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 very important. Um, in, in fighting the devil and fighting the, uh, you know, wickedness in high places. Now let's, uh, let's go to, uh, there's Matthew and Mark in here, but let's just go to Mark chapter three, verse 27. And Jesus had been casting out demons in this chapter and the, the, the religious leaders had accused him of casting out the demons by Satan using, using demonic powers to cast out demons. And so in verse 23, Jesus starts out and he goes, how can Satan cast out Satan? You know, what are you talking about? Which is true. You know, how, why in the world would an enemy then defeat itself in front of you for what purpose and how would that work? It just doesn't work that way in warfare. How could Satan cast out Satan? And verse 24, he says, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. So if Satan's casting out Satan and Satan's against his own kingdom, he's going to, he's going to divide, he's going to divide and conquer his own kingdom. It's going to fall apart. The kingdom, whether it's of good or evil has to stand strong in itself and together in order to be effective is what the Lord is saying. And he says that if a house be divided, if it is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Now, these are the words of the Lord. This isn't Paul or some theologian. It's it's the Lord Jesus Christ himself saying, if a house is divided, it cannot stand. So in other words, you're not going to cast out Satan by Satan. You're not going, Satan is not going to lead you to the Lord to fool you. Um, he's not going to, he's not going to have you pray to God in your heavenly language. And then you hear it and go, Oh, that's demonic to fool you. He's, he's not going to divide against himself. He is, has a specific purpose to take you down. God has a specific purpose to hold you up. And in verse 26, Jesus says, and if Satan rise up against himself, and be divided, right? He cannot stand, but he has an end. So like in the last three verses, he's like repeating the same thing. Hey, stupid. If Satan were to rise up against himself and divide, he wouldn't stand. He would have an end. Now in verse 27, no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man then he will spoil his house. Okay, I'm gonna stop there, verse 27. I'm sorry, I think I said 26 before, but I'm sorry, verse 27 is what is what I wanna emphasize. No man 
can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods. Nobody can enter into somebody who's a badass, right? Think of the most badass person you know. It's like, I ain't going to go in that guy's house. That guy's going to, that guy's going to do me some harm. We're going to move some furniture and I'm going to lose. So if you're going to go into that guy's house and rip him off, you better first have a plan to handcuff him, bind him up, tie him up. And then he'll, he'll be useless. He won't be able to fight you. Then you can go in and take whatever you want in the house. Right. Okay. So most of the time in, in spiritual warfare thought, this scripture comes as, uh, that demons, because it's in context that Jesus is casting out demons when he's accused of casting out demons by Satan. And then he goes into this in verse 27. And most people uh, would agree and think that in this case, Jesus is talking about a demon that has created a stronghold in a person's life. All right. It's the stronghold. It's the strong man. We oftentimes we hear of a chief demon and then the, the, the lesser demons operating under it. Uh, for example, say a person has a stronghold of alcoholism. Okay. That's their stronghold or pornography, a host of other things. That's their stronghold. The demon of pornography is the strong man. So everything else that comes with it is, is, is directed by the strong man. And so that as a deliverance ministers, we have to go in there and we have to bind that demon of alcoholism or pornography. We have to bind by the name of Jesus. We bind you. We, whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever loose on earth, loose in heaven. Right. And we bind it. And then we go in there and now we can spoil its goods. Uh, we can, we can destroy the kingdom of, of Satan and kick him out and ekbalo him and cast him out in the name of Jesus. But we first have to bind that stronghold that strong man and then we can spoil his house of, of the the person that he's made residence in and that's how most people look at this scripture i'm gonna give you another angle here what the lord gave me i'm not saying it's the only way to look at it or the other way is wrong i'm not saying that at all i'm just saying here's another angle what the lord showed me as far as the armor of god that i just read to you in relation to this that the strong man is you, you and I, we're the strong man. It's our house. Okay. Our bodies are the temples of the Holy spirit and the Holy spirit dwells in our, our spirit, but we have a soulish nature. It's our Adamic fallen nature that, that, that we have to yield more to the spirit than we do the soul. And then of course the body is what interacts with this dimension which is a fallen world, which is a satanic dimension that we live in, this prison planet, this alien demon-infested rock. And that's what we interact with. That's a vehicle we interact with this dimension in. So we ourselves, our spirits, our wills, right? Our wills are our strong man in our house. It's my house. It's my body. Like when... Uh, my my stupid uh, niece, Linda's stupid niece, called me 
last week and berated me and brought up this whole 2006 thing and how I was, you know, I was destroyed my wife from something I did 13 years ago. It was my house she was trying to invade. You see what I'm saying? She was trying to invade me with condemnation and guilt and lies and satanic poison. But because I'm a strong man, right? Because I have the Holy Spirit and I'm a strong man, I was able to punch her in the face and knock her off the porch easily, easily. She couldn't enter. She couldn't even get close. I was able to totally defeat her. She was no way, the spirit in her was no way able to get into me and bind me. Okay. But say I had a weakness of, of some sort. Say I, I, I just keep using alcoholism, but anything. I had that kind of weakness, maybe anger, maybe fear, um, any, any kind of, of chink in, in my armor. And the demon approaches me and he goes to enter into my house and to defile the temple of God. Well, he can't do that unless he first binds me. I'm the strong man. He's got to first bind me. Once he binds me, now he has free reign in my house. I'm demonized. Okay. Like my wife got demonized. Something happened where demons were able to, to come into her mind and, and create a stronghold and demonize her. But before they can do that, they had to bind her and they bind her in the area of her salvation and in her area of her faith, as you all know. So you say, well, how does this happen? Well, let's go back to Ephesians 6 and the whole armor of God. So if you're, if you have the whole armor of God, like Paul tells you to put this whole thing on because you have to do a spiritual battle. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but, but wickedness in the high places, right? Rulers, fallen angels and demons and wicked spirits that want to take your mind. The battle is always in your mind, you know, before they, you know, possess your body and start destroying it. It starts between your temples. It's in your mind. Well, how do you do that if I have the whole armor on? You see, it can't. It makes me strong. That's why the this, this Satan in my niece or the Satan in certain family members cannot penetrate me and cause condemnation or cause me to fall because I'm, I'm strong with the armor of God. I don't have that chink, right? So like, well, like with Linda, her attack is always the salvation. It's in her head. And if you think about you know, and take the the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. That's all part of the armor. But here's what happens. In verse 14 in Ephesians 6, it says, Stand therefore having your loins or your waist girt about with truth. Um, let me read that in the, uh, the NIT just for clarity here. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness, right? Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. The enemy can't come in and spoil you without first binding you. So how does he bind you, right? Well, like in Linda's case, it came in into the mind with a thought, 
the thought that I'm not saved. It was a lie. It started with you did something so egregious. You have you have us now tormenting you. You have us on your shoulder because you did something to violate God, even though that doctrine of demons goes against the biblical standard that nothing can pluck you from the love of God, that for God so loved the world that whosoever shall call out to him should not perish, right? But be saved and on and on. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who, who are in Christ Jesus walk in the spirit, not after the flesh. But the doctrine of demons says, no, you did something wrong. God's mad at you. God's left you. You did something wrong. It, it puts the guilt back onto you. So when she accepted that, or when anybody accepts that, like, I, you know, I'm just born an alcoholic, or I'm just born a homosexual. I'm just born this way. I'm born angry. I'm just the way I am. I'm right. And you accept that. What they do is with the suggestion, just like the Garden of Eden, the serpent couldn't change Eve's mind. It couldn't overcome Eve's mind. It could just put a suggestion in her head, has God really said. It's always attack on God's truth. So when you start questioning these things, you yourself undo the belt of truth. And once you take off the belt of truth and lay it on the ground, the rest of your body armor just falls off. There's nothing holding on your breastplate of righteousness. There's nothing to hang your, your sword from or your shield. And so you're wide open for deception. Okay? And you can use this for anything. If you, um, if you have... Your breastplate of righteousness, that's Christ's righteousness around you. And you're continually watching porn or going to places where you shouldn't go. What you're doing is you're, you're compromising that breastplate, that righteousness. And when you, when you compromise that and you're, you're talked to, let's take that off and lay that down. Then you're wide open for that kind of of deception because you're no longer covered. Your heart and your intels are no longer covered by Christ's righteousness when you're, when you're talked into doing that. So that happens very easily. So you go down this whole list and look at that, that armor and you can, you could make scenario after scenario and you can see that. So what Paul is saying is you stand your ground and the first thing you have to do is you put on that belt of truth. Because if you don't have that, you're not going to be able to resist in that evil time. If you can't resist, you're, there's not going to be a time that's after the battle that you'll still be standing firm. See? So that first thing is you've got to protect is that belt of truth. And that's the truth that you know in God's word. If, if the lie can get you to take that off, then in fact, the enemy comes in and then can bind you, which is the strong man in your own will. All right. And like I said, the body armor of God's righteousness, King James calls it the uh, breastplate of righteousness. You see, so if you're going places or you're doing things that you're compromising the Christ's righteousness that surrounds your heart, then you're taking that off and you're leaving your, your, your heart or your mind, obviously, 
vulnerable to be bound by the enemy, then the strong man can come in and spoil your home. You have, you, you understand? Um, and you can go down this list, your feet, your first shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. So you'll be per- fully prepared. If you're not fully prepared with the full gospel, that you don't have that full gospel down and can be compromised in it, um, then that can be taken from you. You can go down this whole list and look at all this stuff. Your shield of faith, if your shield of faith is removed, that's what you need to stop fiery arrows of the devil. You can't, you can't stop Satan from firing at you. You're under fire. You're, you're in the battle. You're in war. You can't stop that. It might hit very hard. It might almost knock you on your butt. You're just standing there. But if there's some way a thought can come into your head and get you to put down your shield of faith, this is huge where you, where you don't quite have faith in the power of God to deliver you or don't quite have faith in the power of God to meet your finances in this situation, or you don't quite have the faith for your healing. You know, you don't quite have that faith for God to cure that cancer in your, in your child. And you don't quite have that faith. You know, it's for everybody else, but not for me. If the Satan can get you to put down that shield at all, then it's not up to stuff the arrows and he's disarmed you. And, and then once he disarms you, he goes in and now you're bound. And once you're bound, he spoils your house. You put on the salvation as your helmet. We talked about this before. If he can convince you that your salvation isn't sure, that your salvation is something that can come and go at the whim of your own uh your own sins, your own doings. And I'm not talking about someone who walks away from Christ, or I'm not talking about cheap grace or somebody who totally rejects the things of God and says, I'm going to live in the world and I don't care what God says or Christ. I'm not talking about that person. I'm not talking about a reprobate. I'm talking about people who sin, right? People who sin and they fall down. You got to get up. But if you sin and you fall down and think that you've lost it, then you've put, you've laid down that helmet. When you lay down that helmet, man, your mind is subject to be taken by the enemy and you lose as a strong man, you lose the ability to fit your, your home. And it goes on and the sword of the spirit is the only thing that's offensive, right? It's the only thing that can fight back the word of God. So if, if the enemy can attack the word of God and he always attacks the words of God, he always attacks God's truth. It's like the belt of truth. So when that happens, you don't have the sword to then defeat the enemy and protect your stronghold. So, and with that is verse 18, always praying in the spirit and on every occasion. And what's really important is you have to stay alert, and persistent in your prayers, not only for yourself, but for all believers, alert and persistent. This is all part of the armor. So you're not, you're not disengaged. And so when we go back to, uh, Mark 13, and let me go to, uh, the NI, the NIT, a better, um, okay. NLT here. Let's see. And I'll read it where Jesus says this thing. And, and, um, 
how can Satan cast out Satan? A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? He will never survive. In verse 27, Jesus says, let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong person, a strong man, and plunder his goods? If you're strong and you have your armor on, who's going to be able to plunder you? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Now, how could somebody on the outside be stronger than you? By deception. If they can get you to put down your weapons, get you to put down your helmet of salvation, to get you to put down your belt of truth, to get you to put down your sword of the spirit, to get you to take off, you have to take off your breastplate of Christ's righteousness, then the enemy can come in, become stronger and tie you up and then do whatever they want with you. All right. So that's, that's what I want. That's what I, one of the things we've learned in this whole ordeal that we've been going through, we've learned a lot, but this is one of them. And I thought it was really interesting in the sense that typically under spiritual warfare, we always look at a demon inside of someone being the strong man. And I think that's a good way to look at it. Once the demon does get in, he is the strong man. And now you do have to dismantle that kingdom, that stronghold in order to get him out for the most part. Okay. You have to dismantle that. If it's sin, keeping the demon in there, right? Say it's pornography or drug use, um, anger, whatever, that kind of sin that keeps the demon in your life. Um, well, I got music. I got music. If that kind of, if that kind of spirit is, is allowed to stay in there or that sin is allowed to stay in there, that spirit then reigns. So you do have to dismantle that, that particular kingdom, that particular strong man by, by dismantling the sin or the disobedience. Right. But what I'm talking about and what the, what the Lord gave us in this is this is before the demon gets in how to prevent the demon from coming. This is preventive maintenance. And this is what Paul's talking about. So you want to do what Paul's talking about before you get to the point where Jesus is talking about being plundered. So if you look at yourself that you're the strong person, it's your mind, it's your will, it's your body dedicated to God, it's your spirit belonging to God, and these things don't have a right between your head to lie to you. They don't have a right to destroy your life. And you can fight these things off and you fight them off. How you fight them off by putting on the whole armor of God, by taking on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, taking on the shield of faith. That's what, that's, that's the only thing that quenches everything. Having that, that belt of truth around you and God's righteousness and, 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 and a helmet of salvation. That's how you're able to fight against these things that are not flesh, not flesh. 
And that's why Paul says in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor so you'll be able to stand firm. Right? Against the mighty powers of this dark world. He, he names a bunch of things that are all over, all over the place, all around us. And verse 13 is so important. Therefore, therefore, because I just told you all of this stuff. Therefore, because of this, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Okay. Then afterwards, after the smoke clears, you're going to still be standing. You're going to be beat up and you just went through war, but you're going to still stand. All right. Because you've resisted the enemy by putting on the armor of God. So we've learned this lesson. Um, it's one of the things that's come to us. Linda, as you know, her mind, her thoughts had been compromised by a demonic entity that lied to her about her salvation. At some point, this thing was able to come in and have her undo her belt of truth. It could not come in and take off her belt of truth. If Satan could do that, he could spoil all of us at any moment. I could be talking to you right now and then tomorrow, you know, be on heroin because he just now came in and took over my thoughts. It starts with a suggestion that always starts with a thought. You know, nobody just wakes up the next day and says, you know what? I think we're going to have an affair on my wife today with the first bank teller I see um, that likes old fat men. No one just wakes up with that. They, they, it's first a suggestion. They first see it. Uh, what James says, you know, uh, it occurs with the, with the, with the lust of the eyes and the covetousness, and then it turns into sin. That's how Satan works. So Ms. Ms. Kapow, Linda, that's one of the things that happened. And we discussed this about the big thing with her was right off the bat was that belt of truth. Um, yeah, the, the shield of faith went down um, because once she started getting beat up, she didn't have, she just like, I don't think God's on my side. I don't think he's, he's not delivering me. He's not, I can't hear him. I can't feel him. All this stuff. Well, the reason why is because her truth had been removed. Once she took off her belt of truth, everything that hangs on that came falling apart. Now she still had Christ's righteousness around her. She still had that, but see, Satan wasn't attacking Christ's righteousness. He wasn't attacking that. He wasn't attacking her preparation of the gospel. He didn't need to. He didn't need to. All he had to do is attack her, her ability to realize the truth of her salvation. And once he did that, it was foundational. It's foundational. What we've learned recently is that there are other people that are attacked in this area. It's not an uncommon tactic. Go figure. It's not uncommon. If, if you were Satan, why would you mess with everybody else, every, all these other things, when you can get right to the root of, of a person's belief system by having them dismantle their own belt of truth, well, then now you have them. And once you bind them, you know, now, now, now that, that person has to get you out because now they've, they just, they've established their legal rights. All right. So 
Um, <laughs> speaking of Miss Cabal, she's sitting right here with me. She's sitting here right with me. Um, and she has something to share with you all. Okay. So I'm going to hand her the mic and she's going to uh, take this out. All right. Here she is. It, this is from personal experience, folks. This is from, <laughs> this ain't something she read in a book or studied. This is from feeling it and experiencing it. All I wanted to do was, um, I, I just wanted to, uh, first of all, say thank you very much for all your love and your prayers for uh, Brother Kapow and myself. And uh, I really, I can't tell you how much um, I appreciate it. Um, what I wanted to add to this lesson was that the armor of God really is when you put on the whole armor of God, you're putting on the Lord Jesus. And I'll, and I'll show you how that is. The very first thing it says, put on the belt of truth, right? Well, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the way that I like to think of it is that Jesus is the way to the truth that brings life. The second um, piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. And we know that Jesus is our righteousness. When we, It's not our righteousness that makes us um, acceptable unto God the Father, but it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The third piece of armor is the, um, she, you shod your feet with the um, gospel of peace. And we know that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And um, the fourth piece of armor is the shield of faith. And the shield of faith actually is the faith of Jesus Christ. Uh, we are saved by grace, and that's by faith, which is a gift of God. The fifth piece is the helmet of salvation. And we know that Jesus Christ is our very hope of salvation. And the sixth piece is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we know that in um, the very first part of uh, John, the book of John, it, is, it says, and I'll read it here, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, it says that Jesus, who is God, was made flesh. So that's all I wanted to add to this lesson. Thank you. So anyway, hope that helps you get something out of that. Um, think about that uh, because it's, it is true. We can, we can help ourselves a lot by taking heed to these things. All right. And that's it. And uh, good night and ciao babies.
Change man. 